Stage 3 is in full effect. It's game time, heroes. Welcome to the Outlaws Outpost. Welcome, heroes, to the Outlaws Outpost, your unofficial guide to the best Overwatch League team, brought to you by the Surly Nerd Podcast and the official Houston Outlaw supporter team group in Austin, the Lone Star Vanguard. I'm your host, James, and with me, as always, is the producer of this fine show, Tony. Hi. <laughs> All right, and out this week is Hector, so it's just going to be Tony and I taking the reins this week. It's pretty exciting. Yeah, yeah, and it's, it seems like everybody had a, a, a rough work week this yeah, week. Yeah, Everybody that we would normally uh, like call up to be like, hey, do you want to do like uh, be our third chair for this? And they're like, I had no like way QA testing stuff's going on this have, week. Have things to do like we're on, a, we're on a tight schedule. That's fine. It's just the two of us. We can knock this out. No problem. So for those of you new to our show, what the heck is the Outlaws Outpost? Well, it just so happens that our favorite Overwatch League team is the Houston Outlaws and we have way too much to say about them. So here we are ready to chat and debate all things Outlaws. This week on the show, we're going to be talking about weeks three and four of stage three yes and uh just to recap we went into stage three with everything looking really groovy as we took down london again after that win though we got quickly taken down a peg by boston after that we went to map five with philly but end up ultimately losing and the story repeats itself as we fall to new york in our next game it's been a rough stage three so far yeah yeah stage three has been uh kind of like stage one we did amazing yes stage two uh Ooh, that that hurt. Yeah, and then stage three, um, we're like we're kind of getting a little better. Yeah. Like it's it's been it's been a rough ride. It really has. So that takes us to week three of stage three, and we open with our fight against Florida. Now, a lot of people thought this was going to be a clean sweep with the Outlaws taking it no problem, but this is a new badass Florida that I don't think that the OWL expected. Yeah, no. Um, Florida, Florida mayhem. All right, let's just let's just be honest about Florida mayhem for a second. They're still not that great. They are massively improved from where they started, though. Yes. So uh, they're putting up a big fight against a lot of players. They now. are. They they are probably one of the most improved teams in the Overwatch League. Watching them over, you know, where they started in stage one to where they are now, I feel like they can become a really formidable force. I don't know if it'll be this, you know, particular set or next set, but I'm know. expecting season two. Season two, uh, season two they'll they'll uh, they'll change up a little bit. Um, they'll they'll get to work together for a longer period of time. Yeah, uh, be better prepared. Um, and also, they'll, they'll have gotten to see how the uh, the enemy teams work. You know, they they all have to be able to watch that game footage, and I think. I think Florida Mayhem will come back next season yeah. and do much better. Yeah. Stage four for Florida, still not looking that great. Yeah. So let's break down some of the moment-to-moment action. Uh, Florida comes in right at the start and gets a quick pick on Jake, that, and it just shows everybody right there that they're ready for Houston. And I'm not going to lie. I was one of those who thought this was, would be an easy 4-0 sweep against Florida. But they completely take us down in Temple of Anubis with almost no work whatsoever. Yeah, that was... Oh, watching that one, that one, I, I did not expect it to happen that fast. I, mean, yeah. I think it was just um, every team, not just Florida Mayhem, has been like going after Jake mm-hmm. very specifically because they know if he's the one starting out that map, 
Uh, that sets the tone for the rest of the maps. Right. And I mean, he, he's, Jay gets that early kill. Like, that. yeah, he's he's. Old. I I kind of divide. Like, all right, so I'm not the the best well versed Overwatch uh, understanderer. Right. Um. But there's there's two main DPS on for most teams. Um. You kind of have a, a sniper person, and then you have a more generic damage person. Right. And your, so your soldiers. Yeah. Your, your junk soldiers, rats. junk rats, people that can just output damage yeah, on a variety yeah. of eras areas. And uh, that's who Jake is. And Jake was so very good at it that every team now specifically goes out directly after him right. because they know that if they take him down, the rest of the team won't be able to do as much damage. Yes, Linkser's fucking amazing sniper, mm-hmm. but you can't snipe tanks. Like, right. it, I mean, you can, but it's going to take a while. It's yeah. not going to work very fast. So It's, it's all about target priority. Yeah, right? and I think that Every team, including Florida, knows the the priority is take down Jake first and then go after Rocka second. Yep. Yeah, it's very important. So that kind of takes us to Blizzard World, and we take all three points really easily. But Florida still hangs on, pushing us, uh, pushing us around a lot and getting almost to the end of point three. And it really only seemed like we won Blizzard World against Florida because they didn't have anybody on the payload when time ran out. And it's not like they weren't there. They were engaged in combat with us. Yeah, they just they just weren't close enough to the, the payload. Yeah. Um, honestly, Blizzard World's growing on me a little bit, specifically going between point, uh, point B and point C. Yeah. Uh, the, once you're inside the Diablo section, mm-hmm. I love that area. Yeah. I just hate... It's like All a mini King's it. Row. Yeah, it's, it's it's mini King's Row. Actually, the entire map is King's Row, just like times three. It's yeah. so much bigger. And that's what I hate about it. But once you get locked inside that little room, the room of it the Diablo. It's man. And like uh, the, what's the castle? Yeah. Um, it's the It's the chapel. It's the, chap- it's, yeah, it's the church. Um, once you're inside there, it's it's so much more fun to play. Yeah. But leading up to that, I, every team, even to now, is still having a hard time on it. I think they will even in stage uh, stage four. Yeah. So next up is uh, is Ilios, and Florida gets to 99% on the point before we can even take them down. At this point, I've got to ask, is this because the Outlaws are having a bad stage three, or has Florida really improved their game that much? I think it's Florida's improved. We've never been that great on control maps. Mm-hmm. Uh, just haven't I mean, yeah, Houston Outlaws not been very good on control no matter what maps you're playing on mm-hmm. and just they're just not that great at it yeah. um, it's something they have gotten much better at but also Florida has as well and that's where you can see that that uh, domination that Florida was holding on for so long during that first first set of uh, the control points. Yeah. So we finally get it together on the second control point. Florida only gets like 46% and everything starts to look tighter as Houston goes into Junkertown. And we as Outlaws fans believe in their ability to dominate Junkertown and they do. Florida can't even get a point one. Now, Junkertown aside, I never thought I'd say this, but it was a hell of a match against Florida. Yeah, no, uh, it's this isn't the Florida is not the only team that has kind of been showing up on Junkertown recently. Um, well, I guess not for Florida, but other Jake, teams. Jakertown. Yeah, other teams have been uh, kind of coming up and saying like Junkertown's not just Houston's map anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're still very good at it and one of the top leading teams on that map. Right. But other play other teams have been. It's a solid map. They've been putting more time into that map. Yeah. Uh, unlike uh, Houston Outlaws of Route sixty six. Oh yeah. Yeah. Not... We'll get to that in a couple of a uh, couple of matches. <laughs> yeah. So that takes us to the Lone Star Showdown: Houston versus Dallas. Now we were at the watch party for this one. Yeah. Yes. This is us going to the Austin watch party at Pinballs. Yeah, I, I wanted this to be a quick 4-0, get it over with. Dallas, I didn't feel, was going to put up any kind of fights, mm-hmm. but I was wrong. So we <laughs> opened the, the match with Volskaya, which is a favorite map of our local team, the, the Lone Star Vanguard. 
The outlaws have a little bit of a struggle to take point A, but going into point B, their alt economy is pretty much the name of the game. They have five alts as they try and take over B, but it takes literally every alt they had to take the point. There was tension in our watch party. Everybody was freaking out because Dallas comes right back, takes point A and B, and they run out of time as they try and take point A again on the map reset. Yeah, that was, oh man. My heart was just going crazy. (laughs) Right. And with over a minute on the clock that we had going into the map reset, we thought that we would have the map win no problem. But no, we get a freaking draw on Volskaya against Dallas. You could just like feel the energy in the room when this happened. Yeah. Like it it seemed that Dallas, Dallas has had so many problems internally that they haven't been able to put up a good match in a long time. Right. Uh, Not since the very beginning of like stage one. Um, and even then, it still wasn't that great. Stage three, I think that I think that's the, the players that are left in Dallas mm-hmm. um, and the change in uh, direction is kind of lighting a fire under their ass. Yeah. And them saying, like, if we don't immediately start all doing well right now, we're all out of a job once once right. this once stage four is done. Yeah. Like once season one is over, I feel like floor or uh, sorry, Dallas might the players will be finding all new homes that yeah. no one will be left. It's true. And they brought they brought the fire against Houston. And like again, o- almost kind of with Florida, I know that we're biased as Outlaws fans, but like going into Dallas, I was like, oh, we've got this. And then that draw happened on, on Volskaya, and I was like, oh, Ooh, yeah. dude, maybe we're we not, don't have this? Maybe we don't. I was not expecting it. Like I said, I was expecting a really quick 4-0. Yeah. We were going to take Volskaya quick and easy yeah. and never even let, the, let them on the point A. Yeah. And that is not what happened at all. Not at all. <laughs> and then so next up is Blizzard World and Lynxer snipes the hell out of everybody to easily take point A and B but could barely get to point C. Dallas comes back, takes three points and like Volskaya, it all comes down to retaking point A. We hold down point A with Jake's Junkrat, putting in a whole bunch of work on defense that gave us just the advantage that we needed to be able to take Blizzard World. But it, it shouldn't was too have, close of a call. It was too close. Yeah, that was another one that I just... Ed, it was edge of your seat gameplay from a team that I did not expect to be able to put up that kind of fight. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the announcers, that uh, the, the online community, no one thought it was going to go to the way it had been going. Mm-hmm. It was still expected for Houston to win, but not... This felt like not, professional not much, Overwatch. Yeah, I mean, I know that... Watching didn't expect the OWL, Dallas to put that much of a fight up. Right. I know <laughs> that the OWL is professional Overwatch, but there's sometimes when you're watching a match and you're just like, this is what pro game level play looks like. Yeah, no. Whenever... Um, uh, throughout uh, the, these two weeks, and I think the current two weeks, um, it seems like Houston, and actually all of Stage 3, Houston has been going to map five, Mm -hmm. like even map five or sorry, game five, map three Mm -hmm. of that. So it's, it's five thing, five, five plays. I'm fucking this up really bad. They they keep going to map five. They (laughs) They keep going going to map five and they keep going into the third set of map five. Right. And that's, uh, that's just showing you the the level of how well Houston is playing, but also how well everybody else is. If you're going down to the wire of who is going to win this, that is, that is it is is amazing gameplay to watch, but as a, as an Outlaws fan, it's also <laughs> you're like, please stop, please, please 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 just win and not make me have to be this stressed out. <laughs> right. So we go into Ilios after the half, and Houston takes a map, Dallas takes a map, and everybody starts getting worried. Then Clockwork Tracer starts to dominate the field, helping push Dallas back off the point for the map win. With it 
2-0 in a tie, we could all relax knowing that we finally won the Lone Star Showdown yet again. Dallas couldn't even take the first point on Route 66, but what a hell of a match it was. Yeah, no, it was it was great. Um, again, it's 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 it was showing that we've spent time on Route 66. Yeah, that we've learned how to defend Route 66 because mm-hmm. that was actually defend and attack is one of the it's yeah. Route 66 in general is just not Houston's map. I don't right. know why. But it's been picking up a little bit though. We've gotten a lot better. We're training on it. Like everybody else has been training. Uh, all the other teams have been training on Junkertown. Yeah, because that was Houston's domineering map. Um, Route 66 has been one that. We're now learning, mm-hmm. and I think that coming stage four, uh, you'll see. Uh, actually, no way. I'm not sure if Route 66 is in play on stage four. I'm not sure. I don't know the map set up, but yeah. if it is, I'll see that we're doing a lot better. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I really I like the play. It was good. Just stopping stopping <laughs> them before they get to point A is such an important thing. Yeah, but I mean, for the Lone Star Showdown, one of the only matchups in the OWL that has a name. Like there, mm-hmm. there are very few named matches in the. Overwatch yeah, you've got um, you got um, the the California mm-hmm. because well, it's, it's 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 states that have more than one team. That's true. So you have California and Texas. Right. No one else is near each other. Right. <laughs> and maybe over time we will get other matchup names and stuff like that when more rivalries happen. But right now we have the Lone Star Showdown, and you know, it was given a name and it put on the performance that was worthy of a name. Is what I feel like. Like, is this too far to say? Like, maybe they uh, will get the stir fry whenever you get, whenever you have um, the uh, Seoul versus um, shit. What's the Shanghai? Shanghai. I don't know. It could be anything. Like, they could. It's be... like the South Asia stir fry. Like, because they're gonna fight each other, and, and that sounds like such a football style name. Like, yeah. Know, like when you think of like a Rose Bowl or something like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah I don't know. So I, the way I'm naming it, that I think it's a good <laughs> name. All right. So we head into week four. And here we are facing off against the Los Angeles Valiant, one of the biggest, baddest teams in the OWL, and we see why on Anubis. They almost instantly take point A and nearly take B with no problem. Houston holds strong on defense, like point B, which gives Houston an easy advantage there and allows them to take Anubis, mm-hmm. right? But they had a very real possibility of losing point B on Anubis, on defense. Oh, yeah, no, when, that was... when. when when a Valiant moved from A to B, they almost wiped out the entire team and took it right there. We just happened to funnel in with just enough power, just enough ultimates to push them back, and then everybody hunkered down and said, all right, this is where the, the BS stops. Well, one of the things that we didn't talk about in the in the last set that we also we need to talk about in this one is ultimate economy. Right. Houston's ultimate economy has gotten very, very well and it was how well, and you can see that whenever you're seeing everybody kind of come together at the for the end of Anubis, yeah. having those those ults um, prepared for defense is really important. That yeah. that the other team, yeah, they may have taken point A really fast, but if you've got enough ults and can you stagger them just correctly, you can yeah. keep them off of point B mm-hmm. for the entirety of the section. So it's yeah, it's true, and so. We go in, we take point A and point B of Anubis. And at this point, I, I know that, you know, the Valiant is one of the biggest teams in the OWL. But as me watching this, I'm starting to feel really good about taking LA down. So we go into Blizzard World and Houston absolutely shuts LA down on point A, only letting him get two ticks on the board. Linkser shines with his widow, getting early kills and they take the map. This is, isn't even the same LA that we've seen up to this point. 
Yeah, no, it was weird. They're getting split up. Um, they're not. It's their positioning it's, was their positioning, off. Yeah, it was off, and Houston was able to kind of roughly stick pretty close together. Yeah. Um, you didn't have uh, you didn't have Tracer running off to the side and making it like off to, uh, making things awkward because you're not. Yeah. You're. I mean, I get scouting, but like Blizzard World's point A is so big. Yeah. That you you can you can scout one area, but if they're not there, you are way behind getting back to the the, the control point whenever they all show up because you went left instead of right. Yeah. So halftime hits, and we find out something very fascinating about the outlaws. So if you missed this match, we're going to go ahead and explain it now. Okay. So there is a term that the Houston Outlaws use that's very specific to them. What is that term, Tony? Texas. It's uh, the full phrase is Texas hard. Yes, but, but during, they they played the audio from the t- uh, from the Outlaws, and you hear all of them yelling Texas hard, Texas, Texas, Texas hard. Just everybody yelling it over and over again. Right, and so everybody was going, "What the hell does Texas hard mean?" So there were problems in the earlier stages of the Overwatch League where a lot of people were, their positioning was off. Um, they couldn't regroup properly. It was causing them to get picked off one by one. Like I was saying, if you have a tracer, it's off to the side. Now yeah. you're, you're basically down a man with, with them still in the game. Right. <laughs> and so what Matt, uh, Cool Matt said, is that if you hear that in the middle of a conversation, the importance of this trigger word is that you break your focus and that you listen to it. Because when you're in the middle of a fight, you can be like, monkey, monkey, monkey. Somebody else is going, you know, tracer, tracer, tracer. And you've got all these different inputs going in. But for them, using the term Texas hard means everybody ignore what you're doing and regroup right then. Yeah. Get back to get back. Get tanks, healers, DPS, everybody get together yeah. and stop whatever is coming in. And that's so fascinating because I don't think I know any other team in the Overwatch League that has something like that. A specific term that's essentially a rally term. Yeah, and it, it comes down to coaching and coming up with a very simple... I mean, look at like the way football is. You have very simple terms that mean do this one thing and everybody knows like, oh, if I say red, you go do whatever red means. And right. We haven't heard that from the other teams yet, and I think that maybe maybe the outlaws that need to go uh, come back come here during uh, during football season, <laughs> see some high school plays, talk to their th- players and coaches, and learn how Texas football's played. Right, and that will help them play Overwatch because right. you'll, you'll learn a lot. Actually, yeah. we are we are really big about you know high school and college football here. So very much so. You know, we it, don't it, care it, about it professional. Should, football. It should we be do, the exchange but. of ideas though, because I bet yeah. you there's a lot that are like our football teams here could probably learn from the outlaws. So, exactly. Free exchange like of ideas. Having there. having a giant monkey as as uh, your, That's your center. How, that would probably make uh, with the with the laser cannon. With thingy. a laser cannon, that's exactly or what Tesla would, cannon. That's what would make football so much better is if there was a giant monkey. So we're saying is we need to combine Overwatch and football together. Blizzard, if you're listening, maybe make that a new game type where <laughs> yeah. it's football. I mean, they've got Lucio Ball, yeah, but that's all Lucios. I still I can't hear that without hearing Lucille Ball, <laughs> and I just think that it's 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 it's, it's a two different things. It's I, I can't I, I see Lucio dressed as I love Lucy. Every single time. It should be a skin. Blizzard, if you're out there listening. Yeah, if you're listening, I want football and Lucio in a dress is what I want. (laughs) All right, so we come out of the half, and tensions rev up a little bit more on Nepal as both teams score a map, a a point on it. But in in, in the third point of Nepal, there's this combo of Jake Rat 
Muma's Rhine and Linkser on May of all people, and they completely wall off L.A., taking the point and securing their victory against them. The yeah, this, May this, came this, out of nowhere. This is the map that I could never remember the name of. Right, it's Nepal. Uh, yeah, well, it's Nepal, but it's specifically the part of Nepal that's the, the, the not the temple. It's, right. It's, it's outside, but you're going into a little tiny contained room. There's only two entrances to it, right? right. Um, so this is a map that outside of that, the control point, Farrah could actually destroy the crap out of everybody. Right. But once and, you're in the control point. But once you're in the control point, Farrah is nearly useless. Right. Um, very good for zoning everybody out of it. May is very good because there's only two ways into the she control point. She controls the flow of traffic. Yeah. She can literally go, no, you can't come to this side. You have to get, break and go to the other where we'll have people with ultimates, pl- planned to go no you're not coming over here either and just destroy you yeah uh may is one of those useful sometimes characters yeah and this is a map that she is very useful on mm-hmm. um reinhardt's very useful on this map because the control point is so small and it's well, i mean think about space. that control point has two entrances yes. reinhardt's got a shield and may's got an ice wall you yeah. control the flow of traffic into that point at that at yeah exactly that and that's that's how this that, that but i mean the whole thing's predicated so well. on, but the whole thing's predicated on the fact that you get the point first yes you're when you make that may pick when you make that ryan it's pick, also a way to take back the control point so if somebody else does have it and you can push them far enough away outside of it yeah you can block them off or block them inside of it and then have reinhardt and everybody else come in the other direction there's no escape yeah you get a, there's a no junk, escape you get route a junk rat alt you get a fair alt something that can go in there and just blow up the whole room yeah there's a lot of possibilities of what you can do and that's what makes may so versatile on that map is that she can go in make that it's block like her of, ice wall was designed to be the exact size of that door i know right how weird is that i know and it's <laughs> snowing in that area too who would have thought yeah she's got a big coat on like i don't know what's <laughs> I mean, maybe it was planned or something. Maybe it was planned. So Houston takes the set, and it was a hell of a game, even though when we go into the, the final map of Junkertown, we do lose. Like, the Valiant mm. does show up, and they do shut us down hard on Junkertown. This is, this is what I was saying earlier. Is like, other teams have been learning how to play Junkertown, and this was a perfect example of a team that had trained specifically to go after Houston on Junkertown. Yeah. And it was... Ooh. I've been saying painful a lot, but that was painful to yeah. watch. The, the fact that they couldn't even get their point A. Like, yeah. It was just like one hit after another. And you're like, dang. Like, And then I'm, you're watching this whole thing and thinking to yourself, like, where did this Valiant come from? They weren't there the last three maps. Yeah, it's just watching their Widow like bounce around corners, learning exactly. Mm-hmm. That's, that's how you can tell they spent time on that, is learning how to yeah. jump from area to area on Widow, how to have your uh, your tank set up properly. Mm-hmm. Um, scouting correctly. It's it's everybody has there's a big learned part of Overwatch so League <laughs> that you know there's this comparison made constantly from like esports to traditional sports, right? Mm-hmm. And in traditional sports, teams in their off time and their coaches in their off time do watch other teams and make notes and they jot things down and they have meetings about it and they say like you know they, these are the plays that they like to run typically. This is what you should probably expect when they're, they're the going to break left or break right, right. And that all of that knowledge that we see in traditional sports completely applies to the Overwatch League. You know that Tyrong in his downtime is watching these VODs from you know Dallas and watching the Valiant and all of this, yeah. finding their strengths, finding their weaknesses. I know because that's what I do with you know with my team. 
you know, I make sure to watch the VODs that they're on and give them their criticism, but at the same time, I'm also wanting to watch what the enemy's doing and jot down the notes. And I know for a fact that my players do the exact same thing. They had an entire hidden, like, Google document about, like, one of the teams they played against that I got to see at some point. Oh, really? And I was like, when did you guys take these notes? And they're like, oh, yeah, dude, we've been watching these guys for a while. (laughs) We were trying to plan for every possible thing that could happen during this fight. Yeah, I do do something similar since I don't play with a team or anything. I just do solo play whenever. But, you know, it's always got the highlight reel that shows up afterwards. I always watch my highlights, whether play of the game just because, you know, I did something great or or I just did something good enough to get a highlight. I always watch it to see just where, why it thought that I should get this and what I could have done to make that an even better play. And it's just small things of like, just watching like you get a play of the game by getting a a rip tire and oh, you kill three people. But immediately when it switches back to your character, I should be taking out the next two people that are right next to me instead of going, wait, where am I? Right. It's, it's It's small, simple things that you can do even in your regular play, where you're not playing with teams, just rewatch your footage, and it really does help you yeah. um, prioritize targets and learn. I mean, yeah, if you're playing as, as a junk rat player, you can sit there and watch your play of the game where, say, you killed three people, yeah. but maybe they were close enough together that you could have gotten five. Yeah, I like, watch oof. that replay and look and go. If I was just like a little bit to the left, I could have. I gotten have so more. many of them where it's like it's a double kill that if it would have been, they would have been one meter closer. It would have yeah. been a triple kill if I jumped in the air. I would have nailed the three. Yeah. instead of one the, of the two. One of the most important parts of being a better Overwatch player is being very critical of yourself. And not like in a negative sense, but do go back, watch no, VODs, I watch I kick things. myself all the time. Like I, That's the reason I get mad and salty whenever I play, because I, I kick myself. You just get tilted, like, super Yeah, easy. because I, I put too much stress on myself and not on the rest of the sure. team. yeah. That's understandable. But yeah, it's just one of those things that you know that these teams, like going into this Junkertown map against the Valiant, they were ready for us. Yes. You know, they showed up and they were ready. They, they for had to us. have spent the, the week leading up to that very specifically or heavily training on Junkertown. And I think yeah. I think this entire stage a lot of the player or a lot of the teams have been yeah. focusing on Junkertown just cuz they didn't they knew that that they knew they're going to have to play Houston at some point and Junkertown's a high pop- probability of coming up. Mm-hmm. So maybe train on the one thing that like amazingly yeah. known for being the best at. Yeah. And it's, it's a smart strategy. I mean, you saw that essentially from stage one to stage two, stage one, Jake enters the arena with his junk rat and everybody doesn't literally really, change the meta yeah, does, inside of overwatch league or right. created it for the first time. Really. Right. And nobody knew how to really counter that because junk rat just wasn't a meta character. Yeah. When, then, you're, when we're talking about during, uh, the, the, uh, World Cup, we're talking about during high-level competitive play. Yeah. Um, during those area, eras or areas, our Junkrat's not wasn't known. Yeah, and him coming in just it it, it immediately. I wouldn't say tilted, but not in the neg- like negative way. It yeah. literally tilted the way everybody played. They're like, what what the fuck is this? Like yeah. the game was set on its side. But then you go into stage two and you see people instantly reacting to Jake's Junkrat. They're targeting him earlier. They're making sure that he's out of the picture because they know that what he's capable of. And again, that kind of goes back to with the Valiant and Junkertown. They knew what to expect going into Junkertown. Yep. They said, we're going to start shutting yeah, Houston, Houston down. Houston really has to change the way they play, uh, specifically Junkertown, because... The other teams watch the footage. Mm-hmm. They now know how Houston plays Junkertown, which is why Houston has gotten either ties on Junkertown, or not necessarily ties, but like really close to losing or straight up losing Junkertown. Yeah. Because the other teams have watched it and learned what their strategy is going to be. Yeah. So our final match of week four is another LA fight, but this time it's against the Gladiators. 
this was a hell of a match. Yes. So I wasn't going into this match. I really wasn't sure how we would fare in the battle. Like the gladiators are good, but we've been performing so well. Like, right. We just took down Dallas. No problem. We just took down the valiant. No problem. So, and, and the, um, the, uh, the, the shields up the, the gladiators, not necessarily known as one of the best teams, but they are doing ba- really doing good, right? Stage now. three, they're doing, they started doing really well. I was expecting it probably to go to game five or yeah, right. because reasons. Yeah. You know, it was, they've been putting up a really good I, fight. I was a little bit worried. I was thinking maybe the gladiators were going to come in and they were going to sweep us really, really easy. So we've been performing so well to this point and then the, but the gladiators, they showed the hell up. Mm-hmm. I mean, on Volskaya, they take both points in almost no time. They bank five minutes on the clock. That is ridiculous. Right. That like, is ridiculous. That is, <laughs> like, my group, the Vanguard, the Lone Star Vanguard, they b- live and breathe Volskaya. And I've seen them do that kind of play. Mm-hmm. I never would have expected that, that kind of play made in the, in the overwatch league. Yeah. Like you would figure it's a fight tooth and nail for Volskaya point a and B. Yes. And, but no, it was, it was no, just a quick, it was a just steamroll. Yeah. It was right but, in there. But here's that high level professional play again, because then Houston comes onto the offense and we take point a, no problem. And I'm thinking, Holy crap. Like, is this, are, are both teams going to be going in this? Well, Mm-hmm. They have a little bit of trouble on point B that the outlaws do. Yeah, we didn't, we didn't have we didn't finish with as as much time. Right, we finished with like three minutes banked, but that's still a, it's still a lot amount of time. Right, you're basically just resetting the map at that point. Yeah, it's we're doing this twice for some reason. <laughs> yeah, so Houston comes in and takes A, but not B, and in my mind, it's feeling like this is their fight against Dallas all over again. Like this is almost playing out exactly what what happened with with Dallas. I'm like, "Oh crap, are we going to go to a draw?" Yeah. Like, is that what's <laughs> going to happen? Unfortunately, that 5-minute time bank, 2 that, minutes That was of, too much time. 2 minutes in Overwatch is a very long time. Yeah, that's that's a good 4 to 5 pushes yeah. at least depending on how the the cookies that's crumble. A, that's a lot of ultimates that mm-hmm. get thrown down in there. So, it ultimately proves to be the end of the Outlaws and you know, the gladiators take Volskaya, but seriously, I, I want to reiterate what a hell of a fight it was for both sides. Oh yeah. Even no, it was, it was a great play. It was just what it was just, it was watching at both teams exploit very simple mistakes. Right. And that's the reason why both teams had so much time left. Mm-hmm. You, you're in the wrong placements. You use your ultimate too early or too late. Uh, you put your Winston bubble down too early or too late or in the wrong location. It's, it really just, you can see how the exploiting small little pieces, small little broken plays, mm-hmm. can just 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 snowball down yeah. into five minutes left oh, yeah. on the clock. <laughs> when you watch high level Overwatch play, some of the best Overwatch play that you can get, which is what we got specifically in weeks three and four of the Overwatch League and with the Outlaws, mm-hmm. it always comes down to small details. Is that is that one hero just out of position enough that I can get a pick? And if you can get a pick on that hero, your entire team can just pounce the enemy team and take the advantage. Yeah, if Linkser can get one good snipe off at the beginning of Volskaya point A, yeah, there. That I mean, that, now it's it's six to five. Yeah, and. The rest of the team literally just the, the, the enemy you team go has back to and back, regroup. Go back and regroup, or just that's thirty try seconds to fight. Yeah, and then if you don't go back and regroup, you could be losing a minute and a half because you're just you're, you're getting just, picked you're up. 
delaying that that the yeah. end result. Yeah, a lot of people early into the Overwatch League, you know, there was a lot of complaints saying like, well, you know, it just really sucks to watch sometimes because you know they'll go out, one person will get a pick, and then the whole team will pull back and they'll reset. And when you've played enough Overwatch and you've you've you know kind of worked as a cohesive team, you start to kind of understand why they do that. Oh no, yeah. I've had to, I, I I get on my even with randoms get on the mic and so like. We, I can tell that we are snail trailing in yeah. like very easily. It's quick to find that out. You're like, somebody died. Somebody else died. You're like, and then I would go, okay, stop snail trailing. Yeah. Everybody get over here and we'll go attack them all at once. I can see that all our alts are up. So maybe we go do yeah, that. Yeah, push in with alts and, and take the freaking Yeah, point. and if somebody doesn't want to listen to that, you're like, oh, great. We're still snail trailing. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> so we're fighting the gladiators and we go to Numani next. And Jake breaks out the Sombra and starts to shut Ellie down pretty hard. Now, they do end up taking all three points, but they have no time bank. And so I'm thinking to myself, maybe we maybe we got new body. Maybe this is maybe. this is it, right? And then the play that no one saw coming. And I wish we had like one of those like uh, morning show radio buttons where it would just make random that it would just be like an ah, oh, yeah, something like that. And the play that nobody saw coming, attack Torb. Yeah, <laughs> Torbjorn <laughs> on attack. Oh my god, it was like literally the first time. That Torbjorn has ever been played in Overwatch League. Um, the Houston Outlaws side is like, screw it, we're gonna do it. And you know what? It much like Jake showing up with Junkrat for the uh, during the first stage one. Yeah. The other the the, the gla- gladiators just kind of went, wait, wh- wait, what, what? <laughs> He's doing what now? What, what is happening? You're, you're okay. Um, and there specifically, um, Jake made that choice, um, or the team uh, kind of made that choice was. To do that, it was to confuse the enemy team, to right. make them go, oh, now I've got to change characters to be able to deal with this because they're changing your play style, so we're going right. to have to change there, ours. There's a big part of Overwatch and if you League, make which them is do that, picks. And it's, the countering picks is also, Houston was doing that to make them lose their ultimates. Right. It was specifically going like, well, we're only going to use them for like 30 seconds, mm-hmm. but it's long enough to make them want to change their characters, right. change their characters, lose their ultimates. We change back. We lose one ultimate compared to their, like, four Right, and that's what they were expecting to have happen. Yeah, um, it was a strategic decision, and I understand. Yeah, why. and it worked between point A and point B. I think it was the fastest point A to point B in Overwatch League. Yeah, it was ridiculous because there's like, wait, what? What are we doing? Yeah, and unfortunately, B to C was a different, uh, different beast. It really was. I mean, it was an unexpected play putting Torbjorn out there, but it didn't ultimately end up working out for Houston, and gl- the Gladiators take the map. So Ilios is up next, and both sides get a point, you know, on Ilios, taking it to the final Ilios map, and there was this intensity, this energy. You know how I said that, that this match felt like Dallas all over again? Houston takes the map and gets on the board. Everybody's hoping for a re- reverse sweep at this point. The fourth map is Route 66. Houston only lets LA take a single point and just wreck shop, just marching that payload into payload into point two with just the easiest win and then taking it to map five. Yes. This is some of the best Overwatch you will ever yeah, watch. No, it was again, I love it whenever I can just sit back and relax and not have to be stressed out. But there's something about these these last couple of games that have just been Amazing to watch because I am stressed, because I'm rooting for my team so hard right. that I, I can see that both teams are putting up such a hell of a fight. Mm-hmm. And this isn't isn't just like the the best of the best teams. This is going across the entirety of Overwatch League. Anytime you get down to map five, and if you go to 
map three of map five, (laughs) then it gets really stressful and you just, you're so on the edge of your seat, excited. And anytime it'll go down to like 99% on both sides on the control point. And you're just like, I don't, I can't tell you if I know where this is going to go. Yeah, no, it's, and that's what you, that's what I love about it. And they, this and this fight had things like the the Linkser Widow fight that was like two feet away from each other. Oh yeah, <laughs> forgot right? about that. That was and so good. It was the two widows like two feet away from each other trying to kill each other, and it was like Muma using like <laughs> it was using a Reese's like gravity ball to like grab the widow and throw it off the side of the map, and you're like, oh okay, that's how that fight's gonna end. You know, move, Muma with the assist at that point. Yeah, no, that was, um, I believe it was during that match. That was the one where Muma uh, did the, the Arisa gravity and knocked the, the Widow Yeah, it was off. the Widow. And because we were like, why is this fight still going on? And then all of a sudden, bloop. Yeah. It's, oh, so yeah, so is going to come and just, you know, do all the work. Right. We're on Oasis. <laughs> this fight's continuing. Both sides are taking a point. We're in map three of map five. LA gets 99% of the point. The Outlaws blow all of their alts. Linkser gets two kills with a Deadeye. LA, LA Which is weird. Like Deadeye is something you don't get kills with at this level of play. Yeah, it's mostly a get uh, get the hell off my point it's, it's because if I can see you, you're going to die. Right, and. LA, you think they're going to lose. If you go back and watch the replay of this map, you actually think that LA has lost this. Mm-hmm. And they managed to come back, push in, throw down with their pulse bombs, just right ultimate, right time. It's that ult economy that we were just talking about. Yeah, no, they they, they weren't very good with their ultimate economy going into the rest of this. Right. <laughs> but it just, it all kind of fell together for them. Like the mm-hmm. pieces just fell into place mm-hmm. and... LA they became was, a well-oiled machine once, yeah. they get, once they got their first couple people picked off. They realized it was fight or die time. Yeah, and they fought and they won. Yeah, no, that was it. Was I, a congratulations hell of a to him because it was such a good game. Like right. I know that that we, well, we love the Houston Outlaws, but when you get to see a game that's that well played, yeah, it's just it's it's a game it's like GG that, to both teams, right? A game <laughs> like that is what inspires me to want to play more Overwatch. Yes. Like, every time I watch this, like, immediately I'm like, okay, I just need to log in real quick and and just just throw some grenades on some stuff. (laughs) Right. So now that we've covered weeks three and four, I want our panel, you and I, our final thoughts about these particular weeks in Overwatch League. It could be, you can pick one out in particular, you could talk about all of them as a whole. Give me your thoughts about weeks three and four of the Houston Outlaws Overwatch League in stage three. Okay. Um, we do, we, we do, we're only in episode three, but we do a lot of Houston Outlaws back padding of like, oh, look how great they're doing during this. Right. But I think that these two weeks specifically show how middle of the road we are right now within mm-hmm. Overwatch League. Right. Um, we, are not we, should the, not we shouldn't be afraid to be critical of the team that we love. Yeah, no, it's we are not in we're not in top five in position in my opinion right now. Mm-hmm. Um, we're we're learning, and yes, we came out weirdly swinging in stage one, and in stage two got shut down hard. Yeah, and stage three, we're, it's we're learning, and I think that that is a good thing because you can see the improvement between stage two and stage three. And right now, I mean, we're discussing the middle two weeks of stage three. We've got two weeks left, which is going to be on the next week's podcast right. or next two weeks podcast yeah. from now um, that we'll see if we're still learning mm-hmm. um, stage four is where I'm hopefully given a couple of weeks off. They can readdress everything. And I hope we come out strong during stage four. Cause right now I feel that Houston outlaws are in a definite middle of the road set. Um, you've seen that in even their, their, their number of points or another number of maps, wins and losses Yeah, dead, even pretty much 
all the way through stage three. Yeah. We haven't gone, we've gone a little bit up into the positives, but then we go right back down to, we have the same number of wins as the same number of losses. And even just look at how these maps and these games that we were just talking about have played out. A lot of these went to map five. Yeah. And that's just, and that's just showing in, you that, that that's the level of gameplay that everybody is up against. And including not just the, the not, not just not just Dallas and Florida, right? But it's saying but that we other are, teams as well. But it's saying that we are competing against the big boys, but we're not quite good enough to just completely shut the big boys down. Yeah, we're not we're not outright losing. Right. We are going to we're, we're going to make them fight tooth and nail for that victory. Mm-hmm. And yes, they're going to get a couple more points, which helps them overall. But I mean, we're showing that we are. More than average. I think if you have uh, an equal number of win losses for maps, that shows that you are actually better than average. Average is negative numbers, uh, and I think that I think that we're doing well, but there is still a long road ahead right. for us to actually get to the but point of going to the final playoffs. Oh yeah, and and we have a lot of work to do, but I think that going to these map fives, competing against teams like the Gladiators and the Valiant. You know, taking down Dallas the way that we did. This is showing the potentials there. Yeah, we, we aren't just halfway through the season. It just season needs to be a little bit more, more cohesive. Uh, maybe a little bit more changing up on the fly. We just need to like um, really. Yeah, I love Linkser as Widow, but I need him to get a l- quite a bit better on Genji. And yes, right. he's pulled out some great blades. We need a little bit more clockwork. Yeah, right? clockwork, clockwork. I'm at fir- when he first came in during I think stage two. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, what the shit? Who, who's this guy now? I don't know this guy. Right. And now seeing him play more and more and more and knowing that he's a little bit older, he comes in from uh, more of the TF2 background. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's he's he needs to be on the, out there more. Honestly, if we could add just one person that could switch back and forth every single map, it would be clockwork. I want him out there. I want to see yeah. more play from him because he's done such a great job. That is very, very true. And we honestly haven't seen enough of Fact Fiction to know yeah, fact where fiction, he is. Fact Fiction's fun, yeah. but I don't really know. He's a variable that we can't really talk it's about. Fact Fiction and Boink are like the two that I'm like, okay, like, we need you when we need you. Right. Like, I don't know enough about you, though. Right, right. I mean, I've seen a lot more play from Boink, but... Would you say that... You- would you personally want them to dial back Jake just a little bit, put clockwork in a little bit more towards the front of the, of the roster right now, just for right now? Yeah, um, honestly, um, get, get I know, we, I know we're not talking in. about the, the next two weeks, but if because they've already happened or at least one of them has already happened, um, I wish during these weeks we'd actually gotten to see more of that. Um, I feel that that's something that uh, during the final two weeks of the season, switching out, making Jake the the secondary and having clockwork be the main would have been and here's the thing would have been better is that i don't think it's a jake is bad comment oh no it's just the other enemy teams know to go directly if jake is playing to focus directly on him clockwork works better as an overall team player jake is very good at being more of a solo star who does dps work right but they're also knowing from stage one that they need to start going after jake so when jake shows up that's what i'm saying he does so much damage they know they have to take him out it's just like rockets they see rockets come in and they go we need to target that first yeah if you see rockets and he's he's zenyatta floating in the back snipe him as fast as you can because he will he will zen snipe you and that's just being mean. Like, right. I, I hate I hate Zen snipes. Oh, man. <laughs> Every time I get Zen sniped, I'm like, oh, why why do you exist? Why you do this? <laughs> why you do this to me? All right, so that wraps up everything for our Houston recap. But we of course have our player of the cast, our little getting to know your outlaws section of the show. And this week we're talking about somebody that has a special place in my heart, and that's Muma. Ah, oh, you tanks, <laughs> you Reinhardt tanks. We got we got to oh. stick together. Ah. 
So, I mean, we need you. We yeah. need you. But, like, y'all band together, like, really weirdly. Like, <laughs> we, we, we really do. So, Austin Wilmot is the main tank, obviously, for the Outlaws. And he is an overall, all-around chill dude. Um, he actually comes from a competitive gaming background. He actually played Team Fortress 2. Mm-hmm. Um, well, actually, quite a few of the players of the, the Outlaws, yeah. they, they came from TF2. And uh, he's actually a two-time ESEA invite champion. So he's definitely won the big bucks in esports back yeah. in the day. <laughs> but here's the interesting part about that, because I was trying to do some research about it, and I was like, I wanna, I'm curious about like, what he played in Team Fortress 2. He was a demo man in Team Fortress 2. Really? Essentially, the Junkrat character yeah. is what he played in Team Fortress 2. That is such a weird change right. in character types. Yeah, it's just this drastic shift. Because any game that has kind of a character-based uh, or even ability-based changes where you can do like DPS or tanking or healing yeah. or whatever... Like I personally always go for DPS just because mm-hmm. I find that I'm better at shooting things than right, I am right. healing things or stopping people. Mm-hmm. I'm good at just killing the thing. Mm-hmm. If I kill the thing, it's it's much easier. So him switching between killing the thing and protecting, protecting the thing, the thing yeah. is odd. <laughs> it's right. really odd. And he's not just like, I play a tank. His main characters are Reinhardt, Winston, and Arisa. And he's a hell of a tank. I actually didn't even really care about Arisa until I watched uh, him play Arisa. Um, I, my first introduction to Arisa, because it was a character I never played, was in Overwatch League, and, and specifically with Muma playing it. But because Winston is such the current meta, it wasn't as notable. Dive was the meta, right? Yeah. And but Arisa's showing up now. Arisa is showing up, and that's something that I recently, because of the Overwatch event that was been, was going on, mm-hmm. I did the, oh, you have to do everything for eight characters. And I was like, you know what? I'll play a tank. I really don't like Winston, so I'll go with Arisa. Sure, yeah. I don't know wh- how this plays. And I immediately was like, why is this character not used more? Mm-hmm. This is such a fun... Like, Arisa se- is so much fun. Have you ever seen an Arisa <laughs> with like a mercy damage boost? Because yeah, no, let me gross. tell you. <laughs> it's gross. It's also like when Torb gets damage boost, it's like that turret's just killing everything. <laughs> so... I guess the question for our panel is, why is Muma such an important asset to the outlaws? And saying because he's a tank is not an acceptable answer. Yeah, no, it's it's well, it's more than just what it's the, the way he plays the his ability to control the area of the map uh, to really block off and save his teammates, which is what a tank's job is. Yeah, but he will. Well, know, you're supposed, supposed to make room for your team. Yeah, right? no, he knows if he can jump in as Winston and drop his bubble because it actually drops in the air. He can jump in and launch that down stopping enemy snipers from hitting his team whenever they're going to the control point literally not allowing them to hit them as they're running in and now they're safe for the entire time it's like i've seen him do that so many times and it's beautiful to watch and not a lot of people pick up on that yeah and it's a very subtle thing yeah it's it was something that it took me probably two months to realize what he was doing Mm -hmm. that how he was able to jump in keep himself out of the point of view of the sniper but put a bubble down where everybody else can run in. And here's the thing about it is he plays a lot of Winston because dive comp is a big part of the meta of Overwatch right now. Yeah. And when you go into One your, day Reinhardt will get play again. Right. One you, day. When you get into your gold and your plats and, you know, even in your bronzes, you will see a lot of people running dive comp because they watch Overwatch League and they say, these are the characters that do dive comp and that's what we should do. Mm. Without a fundamental understanding about why dive comp works. Yeah. They just run it because they see the characters being run and they think 
that's the, the strong meta. That's what we should go with. But if you're not coordinating the way that they do on the like the yeah, outlaws, if you're snail trailing in, your your dive is three people, right? And it's not going to work. Yeah, you're going to get picked <laughs> off. You're going to die. And I think that one of the things that Muma brings to the table, obviously, his is his really amazing dive game. But he also brings his other characters like Reinhardt, and he shows up in a way that a lot of other people don't. Yeah, right now because because of the nerfs that happened to Reinhardt um, over the past well, two years, because mm-hmm. whenever he first came out it was a little bit too strong um, because of what has happened over that time you've seen less and less of Reinhardt play Be- just because it's 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 situational it's, been, it's, been, it's the nature and, of the and, meta and, yeah and it's going to constantly change that's the great thing about they do is they're they're not never wanting they're wanting people to shine for a while and then switch over to let somebody else shine right. and I get that like right now Junkrat's getting some nerfs and I'm a little bit miffed about that <laughs> but that means I get to go play soldier maybe he'll get something cool soon right even though he's the you can try out new the, Hanzo eh, no, like, no, no. It's I, too much, I, too, I, too much skill for you. No, I just, I just always, I just don't like Hanzo. <laughs> I don't like it. I'm so mad at Scattershot that like I'm going to hate him forever. Well, his Scattershot's gone. <laughs> I now. know, but that's I'm still mad at him. <laughs> okay. So our last question about Muma is it, it is the question that we always ask every week, and that is why do we love Muma so much? Uh, it just seems like he's the, the heart of like the heart, the love of the team. Like mm-hmm. he he brings this happiness to the to the outlaws right. when it, behind the scenes. Like I, I watch the the things they have on YouTube and all uh, the behind the scenes access stuff, and it just seems like he's the one that makes everybody kind of happy. Yeah, that they just kind of want to hang he out. He does with. bring a warmth to the team, and we've we've said in the past how it always feels like when you watch the stuff of the outlaws. You know, and not to be biased, but it feels like with the Outlaws more than some of the other Overwatch League teams, they really care about each other and they want to hang out with each other outside of like gaming yeah. hours. Like they want to spend. They don't time want to just go to their apartment and sit in their room and you know right. play Overwatch by themselves or something. They're like, no, let's get together and 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 fuck off and have fun. Yeah, let's play Hearthstone or go get a taco or do something and just be together. You know, let's have a barbecue and just hang out. And Muma, I feel like you know, like you were saying, is the heart of the team. He really holds a lot of that together. You know. So that is everything that we have for this. Oh, you know what? I didn't even answer the question myself. Yeah, you didn't. I mean, I did. But well, I mean. You, I said it was the heart. Are you going to go something else? Uh, I'm going to go with the fact that we're both Reinhardt mains, and that means that we have a special connection. So, Oh, gross. <laughs> we are a little bit gross. So that's everything that we have for this week's episode of The Outlaws Outpost. If you want to send us your love for The Outlaws to read on air, you can go ahead and send it over to... Info at thesurlynerd.com. Uh, email, you know, that's a thing that people do. Uh, twit, or, uh, sorry, Twitter, at thesurlynerd. Be a lot easier for most people. Yeah. Uh, but make sure you change your passwords. That's a thing that happened right now. Um, we have uh, thesurlynerd.com is our website. If you want to listen to our other podcast, The Surly Nerd, where we talk about nerd news every week. Yep. Um, we have our Facebook page, facebook.com slash thesurlynerd. Send us a message on there, a like, uh, whatever, you know, do that. Um, we also make this show available for streaming on there along with all your other podcast providers. Give us a rating or review on wherever you find us. I, I know this is a newer show for us, but uh, we've been we've been doing uh, well over 200 episodes of our main show. Yes. Uh, so if you want to check out uh, what we talk about outside of Overwatch. Um, then, while yeah, still give, talking give about a, Overwatch. While still talk, we still have to. Like I'll endlessly talk about Destiny on that show <laughs> and sometimes bring it up on here like I just did. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right. I think that's going to be it for uh, where you can find us. There's donate buttons on some of the things if you want to do it twitch.tv every two weeks but we do this uh, our normal show every Monday about 730 central mm-hmm. um, this one's every other Thursday about 730 and we stream randomly in between then yep and if you're in the Austin area please come to our watch parties or if you're coming through Austin at some point come to our watch parties we would love to meet fellow outlaws fans until next week heroes good night 
and good game.